things. We're trying to figure out how do we spend less time on our phones and more time face-to-face with actual people, actual people, and actually hang out and develop deep connections. Now, the thing about it is, is like, if you're like me, you don't have a long list of people that you're super tight with, right? You trust just a few people, maybe at best, right? You don't have this long list of people that you pour your heart out to, right? And I think that that's part of the issue, is, is developing deep connections can be difficult to do. It can be difficult to do. And sometimes it's something that you don't want to do because you've been burned. You've been, you've, you've, you hasn't gone well, you're not going to do that again. I get it. Life happens. But I want to tell you that there is, a, there is a situation, there is a world that you can create where deep connections went back can happen. Home, went back to my home church, and Mark, some of you know Mark, he was the pastor there at that time, and we became friends. And the way that we became friends is we, we hung out. Like the way that you actually become a friend, a good friend, is you got to be friendly with your time. You've got to be able to find time in your schedule to actually connect with people. And that's one of the hardest things. I think it's probably more, it's actually more difficult to get somebody's time than it is for get five bucks from them sometimes because they're so tight on time. And so Mark gave me his time, and we hung out, we became friends. And I remember because at that time, many of you don't know the story. If you don't know the story, ask me later for the full details. But I was trying to ask Sarah to marry me, and her dad told me no, all right, so, which is a blessing, right? It's so good. He's just words of life to me, right? No, you're not marrying my daughter? Absolutely not. And, and so part of the deal was that at that time, I was working an hourly job in Glenview. If you know where Glenview is from this area, it's super far away, all right? So I was commuting all the way to LaSalle Street Station. Then I would jump out of the train at LaSalle Street, and I would run to Union Station going upstream. Does everybody know what that means? It means that everybody is coming out of Union Station, and I am running into it. Like, I could have been running back for the Bears, literally. And I got on a train there, hop on, and then that express train down to LaSalle Street, then I jumped over to Union, Union Station, and then I got the slow boat out to Glenview every single stop along the way. Because no one's going fast out of the city at 7 in the morning. And I would, get to, I would get to work, and then I would be like, wow, that was two hours of my life, and then I would go two hours back. And I was commuting four hours a day. I was reading books, man, like, like crazy. I was just bored out of my mind. And, and at that time, I was also exploring my faith. I was asking a lot of questions, and I was starting to volunteer more at the church and kind of get involved. And, and as I was doing that, Mark kind of came into my life, and he and I just had these long conversations. They were great conversations. There were these conversations about God, about faith, about what God's doing in our lives, and like how to figure out, and all that kind of stuff. And it was so good. And there, I remember one night in particular where we were talking, and it was one of those times where I was just really feeling it. It was good, and I knew it was getting late, and I had to get up at 5 in the morning to catch that stupid train, and I would have to, and I look at the, my watch, and it's 2.45 in the morning, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me, Mark? I got to get up in like an hour and a half. I got to go home. But it didn't matter, right, because I was so just into that conversation, and I was, I was being built up. I was being encouraged in my faith, and it was just magnetic. It was awesome. And those are, those are types of words that I have absolutely loved having those words spoken to me and those words, like, spoken over me and those conversations to be had. Now, there's another type of words that I've felt, and some of you guys know, like, I've, 
I've had some negative words spoken to me. Uh, and, and those are tougher, right? Those are, those are hard. You know, when you have somebody literally say to you, hey, you are a failure as a pastor. Uh, thank you so much. Like, I love you. That was so encouraging. Um, some of you know that my dad and is not always okay. Um, I love my dad, uh, but he's got some challenges in his, in his mind. And so he's, he's not always himself. Um, but at one of those times when he was not himself, he, he said to me over the phone, he said, you are a disgrace of a son. Now, I know that that's not my dad talking to me, but how many of you know that when words are spoken to you, you can't unhear them, even though you know that those aren't coming from someone that means it or really understands what they're saying to you. And those are the, those are the types of words that are really hard for us. Maybe you're the same. Maybe you are like me. I'm guessing you are, that you've maybe had um, a parent that has been a person who has, has poured encouragement and positive words into your life that has built you up and kind of talked to you in a way that makes you think you can accomplish anything. Uh, we, we like to remind dads that dads that you are really designed by God to give and, and kind of speak identity into your children. They literally have your last name. And so when you begin to interact with your kids as they grow up, we really see a dad as being that person that's the primary person that's going to help identify that child. Not only are you a descenso, but you are a child of God. This is how we roll. This is what you can believe. You know that God has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. You know these things. This is your identity, right? And moms, we talk about the fact that what we want and what we believe God has wired you to do um, and, and both can do both, but really, moms have a knack for really affirming the value and worth in a child. Where when a child feels like they've been talked to or they've been demeaned, they've been told that they are never going to amount to anything, mom comes in with an encouraging affirmation, right? And moms are there for us for that. And maybe mom was a, able to affirm your value and your worth in your lifetime. Maybe you have a, an extended family member who has spoken words of life over you and, and into you. I remember my Uncle Phil. He was a very creative guy. Now, he married into the family, so no blood relationship between him and I. But he was a very creative guy, was a design guy. He did some work at theme parks, and it was super cool. I loved his job. I wanted to be him one day. And I believe that part of the reason why I'm creative today is because of my Uncle Phil, because he always encouraged me. And he always said that I could, he believed in me and said I could accomplish great things in the creative space. And I, I love that. Maybe you have a family member that was like that. Maybe you have like a coworker or a boss, somebody that, man, you're working with every day and they're encouraging you. They're, you're showing up to work and like, you know what, I don't love my job, but I love the people that I work with. And that's, that's awesome. Like that's a great environment to be in. Maybe you have um, a, a coach that you can remember and recall that has, has really been uh, uh, somebody who saw your, an opportunity, some potential in you, and believed in you. You strike out five times in a row, but he would be there or she would be there and say, you know what, you got this. You can go after it. And maybe you have a teacher or a professor that's been, man, you know what, I see potential in you. I believe that you can do this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you've had the opposite happen. Maybe you've had a parent that's spoken negativity over you, that's spoken difficult words to you, not in a, like, not in a help you get better way, but just a really demeaning way. 
Maybe you haven't had that word of identity and affirmation spoken over you by your parents, and you carry some of those phrases and those words with you today. Maybe you've had an extended family member that just just knew how to get under your skin, or um, maybe a coach that really just said, you know what, you're not going in the game today again, I'm going to put you on the bench. Or maybe you've had a teacher or a professor that really hasn't seen opportunity or, or potential in you and said you're never going to amount to anything. I don't even know why you're in this class. I remember Mr. Swartz, God love him, his, his soul, man. He, you guys know the story. But I, I, when I was in junior high, I could not speak in front of people. And so that's a work God has done in my life. Obviously, I'm here talking to you. And I could not speak. And when I would be called on in class to read out of a book in biology class, I literally would stutter. I would sweat. I would just, like, I would hyperventilate. I could not read. And he would call on me to read out of the book every stinking day. And I started not to bring my book to class because he didn't recognize that I cannot hear those words. Joe, can you read the next chapter? Absolutely not. I still get chills in here. I don't even know what to know. But maybe that's you too. I I want you to think about what the words that you've experienced are. And then the words that you've used. I mean, the words that you've used. How how has that gone for you? What what kind of world have you created? That's really the big idea I want you to understand, is that words create worlds. Words create worlds. And we create worlds of life or worlds of negativity with the words that we use. And maybe at home or at work or whatever, you've created a world of confidence and faith and that we can do this together. Or maybe you've created a world of negativity and scarcity because we never have enough. We never have enough money. We never have enough time. We never have enough anything. I want you to think about this idea that words create worlds. And some of us, we have lived in a world that our parents created and we've never gotten out of it. We've been moved out of the house, we have our own family, we're long gone from them, and maybe they're not even with us anymore, but guess what? That world that they created is a world we still live in because we hear their voice and we hear those words, and that world is something they created with their words. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this because, um, and maybe, let me just illustrate it this way with this video. Um, I want you to watch this and see how words create worlds and how they affect us into our adulthood. Dad, you forgot to bring the trash can up again. Oh, sorry. I was just I don't see why it's so hard for you to remember. You have to bring it up every single Tuesday. What, did you walk right past it? Come on, you don't even have that many... What is this? I was just, uh, drawing something. Well, clean it up. I will. No, don't just say you're going to clean it up. Do it. Just, let me just finish. Wait, just, just, wait, that's my car. You can draw when you're finished with your chores. Right now, it's not time to play. It's time to work. Do what I asked you to do first. Oh, come on. Listen, there's no need to cry. All right, there's just a right way to do things. Now, do you want to do things your way, or do you want to do things the right way? right way, I guess. All right. Get this cleaned up. Now. Hey, are you all done? What's wrong? Did he show you the comic book he was making you for your birthday? I think it was supposed to be a surprise. 
when he knows he's supposed to do his chores first. I know chess. A good game can go on for hours. No, no, it's not chess. I completely, I completely made up my own rules. Come on. Uh, why would you want to make up your own rules? I mean, chess is a great game. Look, uh, the instructions are right here. Just, just look at that. No, but Dad, I'm, I made up the entire game from scratch. Just let me show you how to play, okay? Look, chess has been around for a thousand years, okay? Now there's a strategy and order. Change the rules defeats the whole purpose of the game. Look, I'll show you how to play really quickly, but then I have to work, okay? All right, first of all, don't Wait, what are, you, what are you doing with those? No, don't throw them away. It's just a bunch of paper, bud. You need to learn how to play the real game. Oh, and those? Are you kidding me? Right, uh, let's see. Yeah, these aren't set up right. And I worked on those. And uh, that was so hard. Look, this is a rook, okay? It moves forward or backward. Never diagonal. Are you listening? Uh, this this isn't. This isn't very fun. Well, we haven't even started yet. I know it's just that regular chess. It, it, it's so boring, and I liked my way better. Okay. Well, you can't just make up your own rules. I mean, there's just a right way to do things in a right order. Now, do you want to do things your way or the right way? <sighs> Right way, I guess. You know, my way seems to be right to me. Alright, now this is called a night. Hey, now, Charlie, the... grab your stuff. We don't want to be late. What, you're leaving already? Yeah, we've got, I've got to summer camp. We've got an hour's drive ahead of us. <sighs> How many times did you get to play his game? Isn't it so much fun? He's been working all day on it. Okay, say goodbye. Bye, bud. Good news. Uh, there's good news is that G that God has something to say about how we use our words, and he and he really gives us insight into how deep connections actually happen because of the words that we use. The words that we use can create a world where we can connect deeply, or when we can break apart. So if you have a Bible, that's fine. If not, that's okay because the scriptures are going to be on the screen today. Um, turn to Proverbs 27 and verse 9. And it's a very simple concept. 
the best way that I can help you understand how God uses people to connect deeply is that he, he does that in a way that is sweet and sharp. Sweet and sharp. Everybody say sweet. Everybody say sharp. So sweet words are these words that are spoken over us, spoken to us, and encouragement to us. And Proverbs 27.9 highlights that. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. If there is something about what happens when somebody encourages you, that edifies you, builds you up, that it's, it's something that we're kind of magnetized to. It's something that we're connected to. We can spend time with a person like that, and we want to spend more time with them. I think of Mark Gearing. I think of Mark, that conversation until 2.45 in the morning. We repeated that several times. Why? Because I was hearing some encouragement. I was being built up, and I was, I was being challenged to be more like Christ. This was a good thing. These are sweet words. Not only can we serve each other with our time and help develop deep friendships, but we can also use sweet, encouraging words with each other. And then there's sharp words. Now, sharp words are not necessarily words that are demeaning and berating. No, that's going to be a different category. But sharp words are words that challenge us to become better. Proverbs 27, again, in verses 5 and 6 it says this, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, we all have been affected by enemies in our life and how their words can literally try to tear us down and maybe have. And so we get that part of it. But I want to focus on this idea that better is an open rebuke than hidden love. It's better for someone to say something to you out of love than to hide that love and not say something. It's better for you to allow yourself to be wounded by a friend because it can be trusted. Some of you know, um, some of you don't know, that in, uh, let's see, it was July, um, I ended up injuring my leg and I needed 27 stitches, all right? That's no joke. That hurt. Um, and we got those 27 stitches in. Super awesome. And uh, about two days later, I went to the doctor, and some of you nurses that come here, you, you warned me about this. And I was like, yeah, whatever. But it's a thing, I don't remember what it's called, debreeding, debreeding, okay, where, like when the stitches went in, I was cool with that because, you know, anesthesia. You know, I watched. It's like not really even my leg right now. This is just like some like something I'm watching on TV, right? But when I went back and the doctor was like, well, it's time to get all the dead skin out of that. And then he went in and he just, just I'll use the word, scraped and dug in there. I will tell you what. I mean, I don't know what it's like to give birth to a baby. But I'm going to throw down. It's right there, man. I mean, this was some serious, straight-to-the-nerve pain. And he was cleaning that out. Why, though? Because in order for that leg to heal, he had to get the dead skin out of the wound. I love how God is. Like, he connects all these messages together for me because, I don't know, because they're in my head and I remember them, I guess, a little more. But do you remember what happened when Jesus went to heal the boy? What he said is, 
get everybody out of the house. Because he knew, i got to get everybody that doesn't believe out of the house. Because I'm about to work a miracle. And see, even Jesus understands you got to get rid of some things in order for it to heal. Or to raise someone back to life. And so my leg had to go through that pain in order to heal. And, and I think what's hard is for us to have a person in our life. Let's talk about this for a second, all right? To have a person in our life that we trust to the level where they can actually advise us about something in our life and we actually listen to them. Because here's what we like to do. We like to pretend like that's a thing, but what we're really doing is we're, we'll, we're, we'll go out and we'll ask for different, different questions and ask advice, and what we're really asking for is, would you just please tell me what I want to hear? Can you tell me that what I'm about to do is okay and that I'm in the right? Am I, am I being fair? And, and I, I meet with y'all, we hang out, and it's good. And a lot of times, there's two different types of people that come to me. They might have a, they come to you too. They, they'll have an issue or, or something they're struggling with, and they'll want to figure that out, a question or whatever. And really, there's two different types. One type of person is genuinely wanting help. They really want to do something about what it is that they're going through. And then, how many of you know, there's another type of person that's simply just looking for them to maybe hear the thing that they want or maybe just be... Um, you know, approved and, and said, you know what, you can go ahead and do. And I, I think that that's damaged our ability to have these types of relationships in our life. I'll be honest with you. Can I have an honest moment? Okay, cool. Thank you. It's really hard to pastor, y'all. I don't know how I got Southern all of a sudden, but it's really hard. Somehow, it's, that's a hard thing for me to say. But what, it's really hard to pastor you. Now, I, I, I want to downplay, like, oh, my gosh, Joe said this, so I need to. It's not that. It's just that when we want to have a conversation about how to help things out in life, it's difficult sometimes because nobody listens to anybody. Judges just, they say, like, hey, people determined what they want to do in their heart, and they did it. And, and that's kind of hard, right, because it damages our ability to really have these relationships in our life where we're like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I mean, you talk about, uh, I heard a stat, and I'm just going to butcher it for a second, but doctors that are heart doctors, they'll say, look, somebody comes in, they had a heart attack, they live, they come back in for treatment, and they're basically like, here's what you need to do. You need to make sure that you change your diet and you start exercising or you're going to be back here. The stats are boggling. Like literally the doctor is saying, if you don't eat better and if you don't exercise, you're going to die with a heart attack. Again, it's going to happen again. Something like 80% of people don't do it. They don't follow the direction of the, of the doctor. Because they simply just want to do what they want to do. I, I think that this is at the core of it. And by the way, this is bonus material right now. I didn't talk about this as much in the other two services. And maybe there's someone here that needs to hear it. I, I know I do. Is that there's something that's been damaged in us that we can't trust anymore. And I'm not telling you to trust everyone. I'm saying that there is a place, there is a type of relationship that we can have with someone that they actually have your best interest in mind. They actually do. And they believe that if they can just speak into you for a second, and it's not that, well, let me just tell you what to do because I'm the boss or I'm the counselor. Or I'm the, I, you know, not that, but they just simply are saying, hey, you know what, I noticed this. And I'm just saying, you know, when you come to me with this question or this issue, Maybe, maybe what, what God is trying to do in your life is maybe this. 
To the point where some of us, we, we're, it's so hard to speak like that to someone that we, we kind of say, well, let me hear you out. and Let me kind of think about it. And let, me, let me go ahead and tell you, like, maybe this is something for you to think about and try to just be very careful about what we say. But I think it's because we're just not trusting enough and we haven't developed that deep relationship. I believe that we're searching for that. And I believe you, I don't know if I want to say it this strongly. Do I? Sure. I'll say it this strongly. I don't think that you can become who God truly wants you to become without someone like that in your life. Because there's something about the Word of God and there's something about the way the people of God come together that it changes us. Is that fair? It changes us. So Proverbs 27 again, um, in verse 17, this is kind of how it happens. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So if we don't have these deep relationships, if we don't have a sharp relationship, someone who is going to speak sweet and sharp to us, to say, hey, you know what? Mm, I don't know. Like, let's, let's think about that. Let's, let's noodle through that. Let's, let's work on that. What, what happens over time is we get really, really dull. Like, you, yeah, you're probably boring. You probably get a little boring, but you probably just get dull. You're not as sharp as you should be or as you could be. And when you multiply that and compound that year after year after year after year where you've been doing your own thing, trying to feel it out, trying to see if you've got this or not, if you're going to try this and try that and see what happens, over time you get really, really dull. And God has designed the people of God to be your resource to allow you to become sharp. And what does that mean? That means that all the garbage that you put onto the blade as life has gone on, all of the garbage that the world has put on you that dulls your edge, that person and the people of God help you get that stuff knocked off and sharp and allow you to become more like Christ. Because that's really the deal. James talks about it. We're not going to look it up. But he says, hey, you know what? How can you curse and how can you bless in the same, with the same mouth? How can salt water and fresh water come out of the same source? It's not possible. Brothers and sisters, it should not be. You speak to your brothers and sisters in a way that is not honoring the fact that they are made in the image of God. And so what I believe these sharp relationships do, and sweet relationships, is they help us become more like Christ. They help us sharpen our edge so that we can be used for the kingdom in an awesome way. I got a hatchet in the backyard. We, uh, we have a little bonfire pit, and we, like, will chop wood with it. And it, it's probably, like, I don't know, probably 10 years old. Never sharpen that puppy, ever, right? This thing is basically like a butter knife. You know, you're just, like, hacking at this, this log, and it's just like, it's like, nope, not doing it. And so I was like, you know what? Let's just sharpen this bad boy. And so a couple weeks ago, I sharpened it. I was like, ooh, nice. Now this thing's like really cutting well. But over time, man, you get nicked. You get things added to your edge. And I really believe that God has you here today to hear this idea that words create worlds. And the world that can be created is a world where you can become sharp for the kingdom. You don't have to live with a dull edge. The problem is, is that we haven't, Necessary. We don't necessarily believe that it's possible. And I want you to be here. To, I mean, you're here today to hear the fact that it is. So, what words have been spoken over you? 
what words have been spoken over you that you've, you're carrying on? Like maybe it's, it's from somebody that spoke to you years ago and they're still affecting you today. You're not enough or you, you don't have the potential. This is the world that you are living in. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is here and part of the reason he went to the cross is to redeem your soul but also to redeem your life and that history that you have. He doesn't want you to get past your past. He wants you to go back into it, heal from it, and launch into the future. I believe that your past is part of your story, and it unleashes something amazing into other other people's lives when you share it. But I believe that he died on the cross and rose again to save and redeem your life for eternity, but also to redeem your mouth. Some of us need to surrender our mouth to God. And this is the hard part. It's because it's so easy. Why are we all so quiet? Because it's so real, right? Like, we just, just, it just goes, and we just allow the words to come out of our mouth that we just are feeling at the time. And how many of you guys have ever, man, I regret saying that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. Did I really say that? I just asked the question, should I say this out loud, you know? These are questions that we ask. So what words have been spoken over you? Jesus is here to heal that. But also, what worlds have we created with our words? And are we okay with those words? What world have you created at home? Is it a world of faith and belief and trust? Is it a world of scarcity and doubt? Do you have a person in your life that speaks sweet and sharp to you? We call this words of life. This is Sarah's phrase that she always talks about. You see, words of life are, are not always sweet, right? It's that sharp word that also brings life to heal the wound. And I think that that's great. That's amazing. That's awesome. But do you have a person? I've been kind of talking around that this whole time, but I'm asking you right now. Do you have someone that you trust? And if you don't, guess what? I want second place to be a place where at least we say it's possible and maybe there's a person here that you can find and you can build a friend. The number one reason why people leave churches is not because I stink or because the music is boring. It's because they don't make friends. And so I want this to be a place where you're able to connect. That's why we have growth groups. It's why we have alpha. It's why we we do the things that we do. It's why we start equipped a class that will meet at 11 o'clock in a couple of weeks. It's why we do these things is because we really believe that community is where it's at. God works through it and uses it. On the back of your news and events, there's a series of five uh, days of challenges, scriptures that you can look at, some that we looked at today, some others that we didn't. And it's a challenge for you to look at those things, answer a few questions. And the thing about it is, I don't really care if you don't listen right now, but if you, li- if you live it out this week and you take that page and you work through it this week, that's my heart. Because we can't check a box on Sunday and then live like the devil throughout the week. My heart is that we would live it out during the week as well. That video that I showed you is part of a, a six-week series that I am kind of contemplating as maybe offering to some of you who are interested in really understanding the power of your words and how you are heard by others and how others are heard by you. It's called temperament. All of us are given a temperament by God. It doesn't change throughout our life. It's not an Enneagram number. It's not a personality. It's a temperament. And what that means is the way that you interact with people, you have a tendency to do it one particular way. 
And it's through God's grace that you learn to adjust and to choose maybe something different based on who you're talking to. It's a really great study. I'm in the middle of it myself right now, and I'm being challenged by it. If you're interested, you just talk to me afterwards. But here's the thing. Do you have that person? Do you have that person that is, is there for you in that way? I mean, imagine if we all started in speaking words of life in our homes, our families, our work, here at church. I mean, it's super easy here, right? And actually, one of the reasons why I think y'all keep coming back, there it is again, y'all, y'all keep coming back here, is because this is a place where Sarah and I, we really want, and the leadership staff, the volunteers, we're all wanting, our desire is to speak words of life over you every single week. Why? Because you don't hear it enough out there. You hear the opposite. You hear the negativity. You hear the, po- the politics. You hear about the impending financial disaster. You hear about all the facts that are out there that people, scandals and everything else, and you hear enough of that. But when you get here, this is a pocket. This is a place where we don't, we're not pretending that that isn't true. What we're saying is that there's something truer someone truer that can take what that is and begin to change it based on what and how we interact. So imagine if we were to start speaking words of life to each other. Imagine if we were to take like this next week and we just really focus on our words and that doesn't mean when we use words of life that we can't say something hard. Hard words and difficult conversations can be words of life as well. It's just the way that you say it. How could someone be so stupid to not put the scissors back where they belong? No one's ever said that, right, at at home? So you might not say that this week, right? You might say, boy, I'm looking for the scissors right now, and they're not where they should be. I bet if I talk to one of my kids, they're going to have the answer. And I'm going to be so happy when I have the scissors. Now, the funny thing about that is we laugh because it seems so disingenuous, right? Like, it just seems so fake. But the reason is because we never talk like that. Like, that's, it's just so foreign to us. Like, you know what? We just ran out of gas. It's an opportunity for a walk. It's 10 degrees outside. Let's have a walk. Oh, I got one. You want to really live close to home? Who took my charger? Kate, did you take my charger? I mean, see, she got that. Yeah. Who took my charger? That, those words, oh, my. It's go time, man. When that gets thrown down. If you hear my wife say, who took my charger, hide, hide, (laughs) especially if you took it. But even if you did it, it doesn't matter. She's coming for you. Like, it's out. (laughs) And now, that, that probably isn't necessarily, like, complete, you know, negativity. However, you do feel the, uh, you feel the emotion behind it, and it's not positive. Um, So... Imagine if we were to do words of life. I'm going to challenge you guys. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Maybe not. Um, for those of you that you know that this is going to be hard, I'm going to suggest that you go for it right away. You probably already screwed up today. That's fine. Start tomorrow. Here's what I'm going to tell you. 
Um, and I, that was not words of life, by the way. That was not. Um, <laughs> no, maybe it was just sharp. Maybe it was just sharp. I was just tell, truth telling her. No, no. Uh, Emma's like, no, that was not okay. I want you to pick one day this week, one day, and I want you to focus on your word, and I want you to only speak words of life for an entire day. Good luck. Words create worlds, and I want you to create a world of positivity, a world of faith, a world of getting more like Jesus for one day. Now, I'm about to sing a classic worship song by, by Matt Redmond, and in it, says, let my words be few, right? So, if you've had a good day with this challenge, and it's like 1145 at night, here's what I need you to do. Let your words be few, because you don't want to screw that up right at the end of the day. But if you do, grace, and you can do the next day. And if you screw up that day, grace to you, the next day. So those of you that know that this is going to be hard, don't wait till Saturday of next week, right? Because it's no more days. I'm going to be checking in next week, right? And so what I want you to do is like tomorrow, I want you to wake up and I want you to start your day with words of life. Is that cool? Why are you guys all laughing about this? The reason you're laughing is because it's so hard, right? It's so hard. It may be that some of you just need to not talk a whole lot for a whole day. And that might be just okay. So, um, you guys know this. I always, always, always don't just want to tell you about God and tell you about the Bible and tell you about what you should do because that's kind of silly because what you really need to do is you need to experience it. So here's what we're going to do. Are you guys ready for this? <laughs> Some of you that have been in the other services are like, no. For the next few minutes, we are going to create this room to be a world of faith building, confidence, and building each other up, all right? And what that means is you're going to stand up again, you're going to look around, you're going to find people that are in the room, and you're going to tell them something positive, something good, all right? And those of you that are introverted, I got you, all right? I got you, all right? Some of you, all you got to do is you're going to high-five people, but you got this. Yep, you got this. You're awesome. Love it. Now, if you're super introverted, what you can do is you can go old church style and just reach back into the archive and use this one. Are you ready? Peace be with you. There you go. So you actually have something that you can say. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Why is this awkward? A couple of reasons. Number one, we don't all know each other that well. I think the other reason is because it doesn't happen that often. It happens more around here because we're supposed to, but I think it, it just doesn't happen very often where we enter into a room and create a world of, of good and, and positive words of life, right? So what I want you to do is the band's going to just warm up a little bit, and I want you to stand up right now. I want you to find someone. You're either going to go, peace be with you, or some of you are going to try to high-five every single person in the room. I don't know, but let's create a world of building each other up for a few minutes. You got this. I think one of the reasons why it's so powerful to be in a moment like this, and Scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people, is it's because for just a few minutes, 
we're all saying the same thing. Because as soon as we leave, we're all going to be saying something different. And I really believe that God inhabits the praises of his people. It attracts his presence because we're all on the same page singing the same words. And some of you are like singing those words and you're like, James, you're like, man, how can I be singing these words with all that I've said over the years? And you're living with a lot of regret. Let me tell you, I'm going to pray for you today, but I want you to know something. You just were singing about the Lamb of God and that he has overcome. So that means that he overcomes their, your feelings of regret. That means that he can bring you into a new day. That means that when you surrender to him today, you can start today. You can start today. You can begin new. And you know what? It's going to be a little weird because people are going to be like, why are you so positive all of a sudden? Like, why? I don't really get this from you most of the time. And you're going to start to know that the old is gone and the new has come. And you're going to start to, like, try on those clothes and not feel the perfectly comfortable, but you're going to allow God to do it in you. And, and so let's pray. God, if we just pray right now for those of us that we've created a world that we're not proud of, the words that we have used, Lord God, that we have regret over, Lord God, the things that we've spoken over our kids or over our spouse or to people in our lives, Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, that they would sense the presence of God in your life. And Lord, that you would allow them to cry out to you right now and say, God, I need help. I need the overcomer in my life. I put my faith in you. I surrender my mouth, my heart, everything to you. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill me and to will and work inside me to do the good things that you have prepared for me to do. Lord, I pray that we would be light in dark places this week, that we would be an encouraging word, that we would maybe even pray for someone this week who needs it, who's going through life and needs someone to uplift them. Lord, I pray that we would be those people this week 